Hey, hey. Uh, happy Friday. How's happy, it going? Ha- happy Friday. Uh, welcome to Inside the Firm. I'm your co-host, Alex Gore, here with Lance Psycho, um, both of F9 Productions. Uh, uh, basically, this is just talk about Inside the Firm, architecture, entrepreneurship, development, all that. Um, Every once in a while, there's a joke. There is a Every joke. Every once in a while, somebody's drawing out a joke. Yep. Funny, funny stuff. Let me adjust my mic here. Here we go. So what's up? <clears throat> you want to just dive right into it? Yeah. What's on our list? So first is best and worst advice from another professional. So oh, wow. We're just getting it out of the way. Exactly. Let's do it. Let's knock Enoch this out. Enoch Sears, Business of Architecture. He wrote in. Um, we'll be on his podcast. We taped it, what, last Friday? But I don't think we'll be on for... What a couple weeks, a couple, or couple weeks. I don't, I don't think. But once, <laughs> once we're on, give it, give it a listen. And if you're not listening to Enoch at the moment, please go give him a listen. He, uh, he does a great job. Yeah, yeah, it was great stuff. So uh, he doesn't really have any worse advice, but his best re- advice, and he goes, "This is the quote. This one is easy. Learn to sell. Every, uh, every one of us sells every day, although we might not call it selling. Uh, it might be selling another person on an idea or a potential client on why your firm is better." If you master this skill, you can prosper. By the way, childrens are excellent salespeople. My daughter gets practically anything she asks for. I didn't read that last line. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's, awesome. That's exactly what I was thinking while you were reading that, where every day you sell. Yeah. Uh, Kaya, my my youngest kid, I have 74, as everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I have four. But, 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 but the youngest the youngest has, um, she wants to get her ears pierced. So she's trying to sell me for her birthday. So she's trying to sell me. Okay, let's explore this just from a different angle um, because that, that's interesting. It's a joke, but jokes always have some hint in reality. So is it just because they're your baby princess daughter, right? Because everyone knows that a lot of times if you have a girl, daddy's daddy's little girl, they're cute, they give you the eyes, they're sweet, they're nicer than boys. Um, is it that or like do they have a different perspective You know, of, of how they're trying to sell you? Is there anything that she does that's like, man – if Kyler <laughs> would just sell me in this way, he'd probably get more success, but he doesn't, you know, or so, is it, so, you know, you said that you, th- okay, you, you have, you stereotyped and said, Oh, little girls are the nicest. Yeah. This one is not, this oh, one is not, true. this one can make bo- all of the, all of the boys cry except for Kyler. I mean, she just makes them melt. Kyler's right? probably just used to it. Kyler's used to it. Yeah. He's grown up with her. So what she's doing as her sales tactic is she's being really nice. <laughs> so doesn't that go to like fundamental sales of like a handshake and a smile and being gregarious and uh making people laugh and being funny and not engaging in that sort of way right yeah yeah that's good that's good uh so at f9 we've always preached this if you've listened to any of our previous podcasts we think people miss out on the fundamentals so much and if they just go back to the fundamentals they could be uh, more successful um, so think about a child when selling, when they want to sell something. Oh, know what I used to do as a kid? Would you? How did you sell, Al? I would butter up the other adults. So Mrs. Hansen. So I'd we'd want to sleep over at Andy's house. Um, and Andy's like, I don't want to ask. So they'll say no, whatever. So it was always my job to ask Mrs. Hansen if we could sleep over. So I just just. Lay on the charm thick. thick. Yeah. Mrs. Hans, you're looking so beautiful today. <laughs> <laughs> and she knew what was coming, but I would still just pile it, was it probably, up. But the, honestly, like that was, a, I bet like if you, if you're, you sort of conditioned her to re- to be ready for that answer or for that question. And yeah. then she was ready to go. I don't know. That's not a bad idea. Honestly, I don't think there was a time <laughs> I did not get a sleepover from Mrs. Hansen. There you go. Um, so how, sh- how were her cookies? Oh, the best. The best cookies. The best, the best, cookies. best cookies. Everything was. Nice. 
Okay. Well, thanks. Thanks for that, uh, Enoch. Um, if anybody else who is listening would like to send something in, we, we try to give a reminder every podcast. Just record yourself. It's really simple on your if you have an iPhone. I don't know how uh, Android works. Probably the same. But just send us send us in uh, your worst and best advice. If you don't have any worst advice, that's probably great. Tell us your best advice. Yeah, or make up some worst we'll, advice. We'll have you on the podcast. Yeah. <clears throat> so next, let's dive into a project. You know what? I'll ask you this question because I think you know my answer. Excuse me. Have you ever had a project that's went through multiple iterations before, like, Establishing with the city what you can and cannot do. Uh, have I? Mm, no, no. I, 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 it's, it's always we've went, we've, we've said we're going to do something. We go to the city, and the city says no, and the client is forgiveful enough where they're like, okay, we're not going to fire you. Now redo this, and we'll pay you still. So I don't, yeah. I don't know what no, you're no, going to say. No, no, say that again. So you, you decided something. Yeah. You kind of drew it up. You went to the city. They said no. Yeah. And then Literally, there's a house right now that I'm working on in Breck, in Breckenridge. Yep. And we first we first showed the city the plans. And here's honestly, I, I was I thought everything was okay because we we didn't have occupiable space in the setback. Yeah. So we only had a roof extending in the setback. Well, in Denver, you can do that all day long. Apparently, up in Breckenridge, you can't do that. Huh. I know. Blew my mind. Blew my mind. Yep. Um. So we, we, so we can't do that. So then he said, oh, I guess we have to move the house 10, 15, literally 15 feet to the south or something like that. Because yeah. you, you can't even have like a deck that can levers out, which you can in Denver. So. Yeah. Um, but then it was just minor. And then, and then you revised it, and then it was good. It was never like multiple iterations. No, no. It was only – yeah. So I haven't had that. I haven't had yep. that. I think you're the only one that's had that so far. What's com- A couple of years ago, I was explaining to one of my non-architecture friends – um, kind of how crazy it is because not only do you have building codes, you have IRC for residential, you have IBC for commercial. Um, then you have city m- municipal codes, which are literally just as big. They're 200, 300 pages. I, and I think and, actually even more confusing because it seems like there, there's, there's more hidden stuff in there. Yep. And then this is all on top of trying to get the, um, trying to glean out what the client wants, put that together in a competent design, and then also knowing building materials and systems to make it all work and then coordinating with other people. So like it's a, it's a whole bunch of synthesis of a whole bunch of information. Then from city to city, you can have a bulk plane. And from Denver, my definition of, of how I understand bulk planes and how it does work in Denver in a lot of places is that it's basically from the sides. The sides you go up, let's say- the Sides 70. of the site or the sides of the setbacks? Sides of the site. Okay. Let's just say 17 feet, then you go in at a 45-degree angle, um, and then you have a top bulk plane of like 35 feet height, right? Well, in Frisco, they're talking about bulk planes, but it's from the prop- front property line, you go up, and then you go back towards the rear property yeah. at 45. So it's like, oh, same terminology, totally different. So <clears throat> I've had a project, and what's difficult is these codes are so big that I was working with a developer who actually knew the codes, but then was trying to push some of the codes. And even, I, I think cities, they're so weird too. They're so weird because sometimes they can be very rational. Sometimes, sometimes they can't. And this developer really knew the codes and said, we could do this, this, and this. And then I was like, okay, so I'll draw it like that because it was given directions. And then the city would say no. And then we had to do it again, this, this, and this. And then the city would say no. So now we're on a, kind of our third totally different design. And I mean completely different, right? Completely to the point where different. To the, to the point, I mean, 
so when you when you first started out, what was it? Wasn't it just a house, or was it the three houses? No. So what it was was platform design, which means basically there's uh, parking underneath, and then like a concrete three-hour platform, and then we had condos. We had three buildings on top, and then they were horizontally stacked, so that oh. we had in those three buildings we had two units on, mm-hmm. and we went basically to a almost a DD set um, by then. I think. What would have happened is that we would have had to lose a unit, or, or I can't remember why we. Is what the city do. said. No, the city actually just wasn't going to approve it whatsoever. They just, they just, they said no. They just said no. And then the second iteration. The second iteration, we have we have a historical house, so we had to we have to go around on, these, on the existing site yep, that you have, have to save, right? Yep. So we have to go around these in in. And um, didn't the planner live in the house before that? So it was kind of like a. Wasn't it kind of like a yeah. uh, conflict of interest? Uh, I think one of them. I don't know if that same planner is on it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyways, the second one, we basically just put an alleyway down the center, and then we had vertical townhomes. And then, excuse me, I think we had six of them lining a center street. Um, and the city said, nope, no. No bueno. No, How far no. did you take that? Not as far. Not as far. More quicker. I was like, let's just get this. And, and have a meeting with the city. And have a meeting okay. with the city. This third one. Now, were the first two directed also by the client? Yes. Okay. What, what happened on the third one? Uh, back to platform. Attach it to the historical house um, so that you don't have to be like 10 or 15 foot away. And then. <laughs> you guys are attaching this? Yeah. I don't, this shows how well, much I know about what's going on in my own firm. Do you want to know what attaching <laughs> means? We're putting a concrete wall right next to the exterior wall. Oh, no. Like, that, I. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't thinking anything different. Yeah. Yeah, because so I was, like, figured you'd have to separate the two, right, with with like a firewall. Yeah. Yeah. So it's weird. Like, we're not really attaching it, but that's we're attaching Yeah, it. it's not like you could walk from one to the other. Exactly. Okay, okay yeah. So parking underneath. Now, who who dictated the third option? Uh, combination or more you? Combination. Okay. Combination. Combination. And then this one was a little bit more clear, too, because the other one actually... The first one we couldn't do where we had six six big units with like three uh, three bedrooms in each was we were asking for a parking reduction. So like the density, we just went way above the density um, and we were just trying to get it. Oh, and, and, I and see. That just wasn't, no wasn't going to yeah. d- yep, wasn't gonna work. This one is now only, it's four units on top. So the other one was six units. This one's four units on top and it's in one building. So the four units are all okay. Touching. Going through that whole process, then what kind of advice would you give another architect, another developer, anybody who's looking to do something like that from the get go to avoid? Because you know, tens of thousands of dollars were essentially wasted by going through all of those design studies, right? So the, there's a caveat. So yeah, from from our perspective, the architecture perspective. And this is hard advice to take because you and me, we work in so many different jurisdictions. So if you want concrete advice, it'd be whatever project you're having, please read the whole 200 pages and understand their whole code. Is that going to like, come on, how are you going to, is that really going to happen? Especially when it's a potential project and then they ask you for a quick turnaround and then they, they actually do kind of know the code. So it's like, okay, uh, also give me two weeks to read this all. And then understand what it's all saying and then know all the nuances of this without actually, you know, so that's kind of, that's kind of crazy. That's kind of crazy. And then two, at least with the, the, the first one, they were trying to get a more denser, they were trying to, they were going to make more money. 
So they just gambled away that, you know, let's say $20,000. So it was a gamble, and I think they knew it on their part. Oh, okay. So, and, and we got paid for it, and there's no bad feelings. We're actually doing a, another huge project with them. I really, I think they're actually great clients. Yeah. Like, the, um, so maybe maybe the lesson is know that you <laughs> it's a process. And know that, and, and be okay with the fact that it's going to go in and fail, and that you would redo it. Yeah, and the only thing I would say is that if you know that they're doing something that isn't going to work, then then you need to tell them. But yeah. but what we knew, oh, we're not going to meet the parking standards, but we're going in showing them asking this if they can reduce the parking standards. Yeah. So everyone was aware of what was going on. Yeah. No one was in the dark. It wasn't like I had some information was hiding from them, you know. So for you it was so for so really it would have boils down to is just be completely honest and saying that we can try this. We yep. can try to do this, but the, I don't believe there's going to be a, a good chance it's going to it's going to happen. And if you're okay with that, I'm okay with that. Exactly. Perfect. And, and instead of you I've know been te- I've been telling client after client that lately in Denver who wants to do go for a variance. And I'm like we've only had one project get a variance and it yep. was because of XX and X. Yeah, and it was because of the, the story, the people, the lot, the lot was. Yeah, weird. we had to attach an emotional story to the whole thing. It was it was crazy. But with some of these developers, I think it's okay you saying that and then being okay going with it because they might see like if we get this to work, it's two more units. That's you know three hundred thousand dollars each. That's six hundred thousand dollars. I'm wagering right, twenty thousand right, for six hundred. Right, because that's the terms they're thinking in one hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Cool. So. Um, I got a question for you. What's up? A lot of people are always thinking about how to have extra streams of income. And our advice too is also maybe have those extra streams of income before you even start mm-hmm. um, your own business or something like that. Or yeah, y- even if you have your own business, how c- how can you kind of expand um, other than just architecture? Um, I think I think one of the ways to f- to find that new stream of income is to identify a problem and see if you have a solution for it. Okay. So do you remember when we first started trying to hire people, our big problem was we started, we, we were looking for people. We were trying to, we were trying to get them from the local university here in, in Boulder. And what happened? Um, they didn't have skills. <laughs> they didn't have, uh, they had skills that were not that they had good, pretty good design skills. But as far as being able to just jump in and go right into Revit and be production, didn't have it. They could not. They could not produce. We could not just say, "Hey, welcome, welcome to our firm. Sit down and, and, and work in Revit." And it's not. I don't think you should expect that out of your. Uh, I I don't think firms should expect that you don't have to train someone because every time, even if they have Revit experience, unless you've literally went through our course, we just hired two new people. One person not only went through our course, was also a TA for our course, and then has been working, you know, on the side during school. Um, so, so he'll be fine because he's done it. Um, but the other person, we actually paid for him to go through all of our tutorials, you know, do, do all Even the Even though this guy, his, his dad is a co-owner of a firm, big firm in Denver, and he has worked in Revit for, I think, three or four years now. Yeah. We still had him go back and train our way. And then actually, even when we, then we went to kind of do our final interview with him and give him a job offer uh, last week, um, he said, hey, thanks. Thanks for thanks for kind of retraining me because that was a good refresher and I feel like I know how you guys want to do things. Yep. Even uh, even if you're in a big firm or medium firm, it, it doesn't matter if you're moving from one firm for another. I think I think they all should have their own training set up. I think it should be clear because 
the BIM manager or the architect or um, sometimes it's dictated by contractors where dimensions they want them pulled from, all that. Instead of them having to guess, why not spend the first two days having them go through and say, this is how we do everything. Just that clarity of mind releases so much tension and anxiety from them making decisions that I think it's worth tenfold what, what oh, you 100%. put in. Oh, 100%. And, and I know, and I understand how hard it is to say, well, we're going to train him for, we're going to trade him or her for a week, spend that money up front when we'd rather like, we need them. We literally hired you because we are suffocating. We, we need yeah. you to jump. But just if you can, if you can discipline yourself to spend that extra time, oh my gosh, dividends, 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 right? You, so back to where we were back. To no, where I can't. Oh, I can't. can't. I'm, can't, I'm still can't, tending. No. <laughs> you, because you have to think long term. I think this is great advice and great topic um, starting point. Two, I remember I worked for a nursing home of just giving people their food and making their food. And it was a whole two weeks of training that they paid for. Holy cow. And it is not as advanced as, as architecture or Revit or anything like that. So know that other professionals companies do this. I know big firms like um, Deloitte, all those people. IBM. IBM, they all do it. I don't know about IBM. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, but but Lance, how, how would you, let's say someone's listening to this and they're like, hey, that's a great idea. How do they do it? How do they train somebody? Yep. What? So, but if they're, are they an architect? Is that what you're asking? They're an architect. They, they know how they want their standards. How do they literally set it up? It, well, honestly, I would do it like the way we do it. Um, so what, I, what we, what we have done is we put together a video tutorial series. And so <clears throat> our, ours might be, but the reason, the reason why we were able to do it is because we also teach, we also teach Revit to the architecture and engineering students. CU Boulder. Yep. So we were getting paid sort of to do that anyway, and then we just folded it into our firm, and now it's kind of like this cohesive thing that happens for us. But if you don't have that kind of time and you don't have that, you're not going to be able to get paid to actually go through and model things for for the people that are working for you. At what Alex has been doing lately, which is great, is um, just walking through a set of red lines uh, with somebody in a video format. Yep. And then, so he'll do the red lines and then he will just walk through and say, hey, here's why I redlined it this way. And here's what we're trying to think of. And then, you know, he'll jump to the next page and go, see, this is why this, this, this is why this mattered for this. And here's, here's what we're trying to set up. So, so even if you walk through, I think, uh, a set of red lines with somebody like that, um, or I think there's also the baby stepping people through things. So I think you can do it also as a hybrid, right? Yep. So where you say, let's say, let's say you have a, a brand new house for somebody to, to draw, or maybe it's even like a redraft of something like that, right? Yep. If you start for just fundamental basics first and just say, okay, all we're worried about is the floor plans for now. And here's how I want them dimensioned. And let's say they get a few things wrong, then make the video, show them the red lines and have them, have them, have them get back to you with that and just go back and forth and back and forth and keep building them up from the ground up. Yep. That would be my idea. So what I, was your idea? I, I actually, I, I thought you were going to go way simpler, and I thought this was going to be a, a very short little segment. <laughs> um, basically, I was going to say, you can buy a software. It's called, the one we use is Screencast-O-Matic. Was it 50 bucks maybe? I don't even know. Oh, I think it was even less than I that. I think it was like 12 yeah. maybe. So Screencast-O-Matic, and basically uh do a project so start what what we've done is a little cabin and we've walked them through this whole thing but honestly i thought this was gonna be easy advice and 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 you know oh just do it but i thought uh, that's a lot of work actually like that's a lot of work for to put together for the cabin the whole cabin that's what i'm saying that, and then that, yeah yeah so so but i'm getting into a little segue here so we did a whole cabin then we did um 
all these different family types from little small generic ones to parametric ones to advanced structural families to how to make a window to how to make a door. Then over the years, we've gathered, um, oh, an, an option one, how to do options, um, common questions. Like we've just developed all these videos yeah, over there's, the years. There's even four that I put together to where we've been turning guys loose on saying, like if we get a new house, a lot of times I will just kind of sit down with them and say, hey, here's here's the general direction of where we're trying to take it. Maybe I'll have a sketch for them. Maybe we'll have like a, a floor plan from the internet that's similar and turn them loose. And I'll say, run until you get to you where you think a DD set is. Then I have four videos up on the server that, that are called from DD to CD. Yep. And it shows literally what I would do as the principal looking through the model from the first time yep. and going through it. Do you get where I'm going with yeah. this? So we sell these. <laughs> this was not my purpose in the beginning, but I just realized how much work this this actually is. If you go to RevitFurniture.com um, and then you look at, you know what, Lance, pull it up so I can get, get them to the right thing. RevitFurniture.com. Okay. Not only do we sell the template, and this is a template that we've honed over the years so that everyone is consistent, everyone's working off the same thing, all the families are loaded. Not only do we have um, then a, a bunch of multiple different families that you can plug in and the template's set up so that you can tag things, all those those are working, all their sheets are set up. But, but I think the real benefit of this, if you go to RevitFurniture.com and then click on Packages, um, it's, it's basically our platform package. You can see everything that comes in it. And what we don't highlight and maybe should highlight more is that you get access to um, basically a tab and then you get a password and it gets all these training videos for you. Um, so it's basically five weeks of courses. It doesn't take that long, but it's basically broken up into the families, into um, the Revit projects, and then in the end, all this miscellaneous stuff. So if you don't have the time or if you want to get your firm structured, um, th this is honestly a great value and great resource for you. So, or make your own videos or make, honestly, make your own <laughs> videos, green castle 12 bucks, maybe something like that. Um, you can do it either way. Okay. Back, so, back to where we originally started though, with this whole, with this little seg with this little segment was, um, uh, how, how do you how do you get multiple streams of income, right? So for us, we identify the problem of, hey, we have we want to hire people. We really can't hire people because we don't feel like they're qualified yet. Okay, why aren't they qualified? Hmm, maybe because we think they aren't being being taught this certain skill in the correct way. So we see the problem. We we think we're the solution. So what Alex did when right when that happened, I, I think it was the day after we we had went through maybe five or six interviews with people and we just weren't seeing what we needed to see. Alex said. Well, how about I just email? How about I just email CU and see if see if we could teach Revit? Yep. And I think within a day or two, he got an email back and said, uh, "Well, you can't teach Revit to the architect students, but you can teach our teach teach Revit to the engineering students. Would you guys be interested in that?" And we said, "Sure." Yep. And and actually, I just said, "Hey, can we come in and talk to you and see how we can help out?" That's all I said. I in, said in, we're in local. The initial form. email. Yep. Absolutely. It's very very innocent. Nothing nothing like you couldn't see any veiled uh, want behind yep. it. No. Ex and honestly, we didn't even know. We were just like, God, we gotta help these people out because <laughs> or else we won't get good employees. Um, and then they said, Nope. But go over and teach the engineers. And now we're teaching the architects and the engineers. So so it's all good. So basically, th where this question is leading is that um, not only what problem. But what skill do you have? And then can you translate that into university work? So let's say um, you're a skyscraper architect or a hospital um, architect. Like that's your main area of focus. Residential, commercial buildings, um, uh, maybe civic centers. Maybe you're really good at specs. Maybe you're good at lead. 
Maybe stadiums. You, yeah. You see where you're like hockey arenas, some, some kind of specialty skill, right? Yep. And what I would do is go just email the university and say, Hey, I've done a bunch of, uh, or worked on a bunch of hockey arenas. Uh, could we set up a possible elective course, um, where it's, it's called, you know, designing hockey arenas or, or, or stadiums and then see how many people sign up. And if enough people sign up, which normally the threshold is only about 12, um, then they pull the course and you could be a teacher and you could be making some, some cash on the side. And that's how I'd approach it. I think it'd be cool. Um, if at our university you had three or four electives and it was from people practicing and it was either look, Frank Gary just started his whole whole online webinar or like web courses. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think we're suggesting the same thing. So that's how we teach our courses. That's how we're able to run a firm, still have a life and be able to, uh, teach at teach at the university level too is half of our classes basically online because we've we've sort of automated it from the standpoint of of um, having the videos up and the content in that way right we still go into lecture and we still go in and do hands on stuff but if you can you know Frank Gary's doing it obviously he's doing it. everything's recorded like you're not getting live Frank Gary when you take his online course that he yep. just came out with I think like last two two months ago yep so again going back to Enoch we were just on his podcast and and it, it this thought just hit us and like why aren't you teaching the business of architecture in universities and I think people think like you have to only teach their specific course which would be professional practice right but professional practice is just more a lot about the structure um, so just find what you're good at. And it could even be, think about some of our buddies who are really good at visualizations or drawing or, or something like that. It could just be rendering. You know, I just want to teach a course in architectural rendering. Exactly. Yeah. You can, and, could, uh, you, and you can automate the heck out of that for sure. You could, yep. do, I mean, you could just record yourself working and showing them how they're setting stuff up. Piece yep. of cake. Or, or honestly, the, I, I actually, I think some kids would get nerdy on this. Um, red lines and details for architects just that class from a guy who, who knows it and does it and basically <laughs> what you could do if your firm allowed it you could maybe instead of doing the whole project you could take red lines of two pages of one project and maybe grab that model and say execute them and then and then go over it. do you see why we did that do you see why we did that do you see what this is like that'd be great everybody has something to give <laughs> if they're a practicing architect i think in, in yep. that way for sure and if you're a firm of like four to six people or eight or 10 or 12, or even a big firm. I don't think you need to, you don't need to be the principal to do it, but propose that idea to them and say, they might be, they might be open to it. It's giving more exposure to um, your firm. Here's the other side benefit. This is what we do. Our best students become our TAs. And literally just yesterday, our, <laughs> our best TAs now just become our employees. And you know what? I've brought this up to multiple. So I just interviewed with an interior design firm down in Denver they do awesome work. They, they, they claim that they actually have the biggest interior design project in Denver right now, residential wise that, that aside, then they said, well, how do you, how do you get, how do you, how do you, how do you, um, get employees, get employees? How, how do you recruit them? And I go, Oh, well, we teach at CU and here's the method we, we do. And they, 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 I mean, I could just, I just watch their mouths just drop and they yeah. go, that's genius. Yeah. Wow. You're just, then they are just ready to go. They're like, yes. that's the problem. We, ha they're like, that's the problem we have when we hire people right out of school is, then we, you know, you're sort of training them as you go. I'm like, yeah, it's perfect. Works yeah. perfect. So do that. <laughs> yeah. So are you, are you pausing it? I have to pause because uh, low battery. But I think okay. So just tell low everybody, give, give everybody a plan of action. What? How would you set? What would you recommend people do if they if they say, wow, that's a great idea. I would love to try to teach architectural rendering. What What should they do? Find out what what your skill is. Email 
the dean of the university just saying, hey. Um, the dean of the college. Though. Of the college. Of the college. Like, uh, yeah, not not the whole university. And say, hey, my name is, you know, whatever. I'm a part of this firm. We're really good at this. We think students might like it. Um, we'd love to help out. Is there any way I could come in and talk to you about it? Come in that's and talk it. to you. Come in and talk to you. Yep. yep that's, that's perfect. It. Okay. And we're back even though you probably didn't even see any break. <laughs> that's the magic of Land Psycho. <clears throat> so, so... That's sort of our advice or, or talking points for one one stream to get uh, different differentiate your income and get more coming in. Um, now let's talk about development talk. So our other stream, we're we're becoming developers. I don't think we've talked about it in a while. So the new update on that is we just had a neighborhood meeting. Um, I'm gonna record. I'm gonna go over how what I presented and and basically recreate the neighborhood meeting. Um, and then put that on uh, insidethefirm.com. It'll probably be on YouTube Inside too. Insidethefirmpodcast.com. Yep, podcast.com. But as a general overview, what we did um, and how it worked is that I started out with a slide that's basically just said Mark 1. And Mark 1 is, is for cameras and for a lot of developments, it, it's the first iteration. So I went over our past, and, I, and our past is pertinent to this discussion because it leads into what we want to do in the future. So just some of our residential projects, um, what was cool or unique about it, um, our big townhome project that we've done, <clears throat> and then some of our building projects, um, basically the the tiny houses. And I think I went into uh, the, the past where I was in the Army in construction, Master of Construction Management. Lance has done construction since he was four years old. <laughs> <laughs> he just said that to see if I was paying attention. I was looking away. Yeah. <laughs> and then... and then, Yes, four. Four uh, and a half. How some of um, the projects that we do are unique in the sustainable arena not in that you know their lead but that they're solving uh the fundamental elemental uh elements so light um collect heat solar panels um orientation capturing actually water and and, and growing things um so that's mark one and then the idea is that what we're doing now is mark two right so it's all the lessons learned before and then how we're going to apply them so not only our firm is structured the way it needs to be, the design, um, everything we learned from permitting, everything we learned about saving money, but yet then using that money for the, you know, to make maybe bigger windows for better views. Um, so, and then not wasting money on, on stupid construction uh, uh, details that don't really work or that we can, instead of moving the foundation, which costs us a lot of money, we can just maybe do some pop-outs, things like that. <laughs> So then I went into what the project was, um, basically showed them the site, showed them some 3D views, talked about how we are going to be sustainable, linked back to those past ideas, how we're going to have like bifacial solar panels um, that will capture the, you know, the light. We'll have a, a great up yard. Basically, I went through each of the levels and we're going to do some really cool things on the inside too. So if you have the time, the, the presentation that I'll put together will probably be only be eight, eight minutes and 34 seconds exactly. <laughs> I'm going to try to hit that. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so some of the cool stuff and then showing uh, ending kind of on a motion on the up yard, um, which is what our sky deck is going to be called. Lance came up with that. It was his first good idea that he's ever had. So I was really proud of him. Yeah. You know, as someone, yeah. as we've been friends for a long I've time. I've been waiting for my cookies. Yeah. Um, but you have to have at least three, you get three good <laughs> ideas. You get cookies. Yeah. Everyone knows this. And then ended on like a, a gorgeous view, a gas fireplace, all that stuff. So, and then from there <clears throat> we took questions. We obviously, you know, opened up the floor for questions from the audience. So, um, here's some questions. I think, uh, let's, let's say you're going to these meetings 
to be prepared for. Um, and they're, they're, they're ones that uh, we've thought about on other projects, but you know, we, we weren't immediately ready to answer them on this project, but here's, here, here we go. So uh, one guy asked, where would the snow go? And so really good point <laughs> because when we, uh, there was a, there was a, the group home project that I've been working on, we had facilities management. Uh, the people who were going to uh, basically manage the facilities of, of this group home were there at the meeting design meeting with us. And that's one of the questions they asked. So practical stuff gets asked right away. Right. Um, what else? They, and know what I want to say if they, if the city brings that up, what? um, because in Minnesota, they just pile it up and, and you're going down streets and in the boulevards, it's up like four or five feet. So we have a 20 foot setback. Like it's going in that 20 foot <laughs> setback. That's where it's going. Know that, uh, again, you are presenting to the general public and they aren't, they aren't trained like us. Right. So they aren't, they can't just digest a, like a floor plan or a site plan as easily as we can. So trying to be really clear about that is paramount and knowing that you're, you're going to have to like keep your patience and you're going to have to go back in a slide and explain again, like, Oh, the left side is this, the right side is this, here's where the drive aisle is. Like we're no, you know, don't, and I'm not saying you dumb it down. I'm just saying, keep your patience and your poise because you're going to have to ask those questions. And although you might think they're stupid questions, they're not because they're just, they don't swim in it every day. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, and then, and then, uh, so overall the community, there's only, there was only a couple community members there. They were actually neighbors of, uh, of our property, which made sense. And they're neighbors and they were the head of the HOAs. So they were representing, you know, I don't know. One was probably only representing 40 people. One was representing a hundred people. Yep. They ended up being, there's awesome people. We got a couple cards. Um, the, the old guy actually gave like my fiance a hug. It was, it was funny, yeah. but uh, what was, what was cool is that they had a positive response. And then, um, the, the neighbor to the West was even talking about partnering with us on like getting rid of this tree and other, other things like that. They just want to make sure that we're not devaluing yep. their land. And obviously we don't want them to devalue what we're doing. Right. And, and the snow question was kind of cool because he says, we dump our snow on your property. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but, but, and, and he goes, but I bring that, he goes, what kind of fence are you going to have up to our property? And we go, Oh, a cedar fence. He goes, well, just to let you know, our snow plow does go down that side and it might wreck the fence. So now we're thinking about the first two or three feet, maybe having concrete or block. Um, he's like, yeah, so that, that would help out. So he was literally trying to help us out, which was great. Yeah. there were some other questions like, uh, how would the residents access the garage? Alec, again, Alex had to go back and explain the site plan. Um, how would, how would we, would we allow pets? Um, that's something we actually hadn't even thought about. Uh, and then, uh, asked about exterior materials. We had to kind of explain the exterior materials we're thinking about, um, and then again, that tree. But the only thing that really threw us for a loop that we that kind of scared the crap out of us was a setback question. And this came from the city planner. Well, it actually came to the neighbor. He goes, how tall is your building? And we said, it's 30 feet. And he goes, well, how far back is it? And it's something like eight foot back. Um, and the city planner goes, well, actually, it needs to be for every two and a half feet in height. It needs to be one foot back. So it would have to be or just two feet. Two and a half. Two and a half. Two and so it had to be two 12 foot, 12 foot or 12 foot. And a half. I think just 12 foot is the math, right? Mm -hmm. And the alarm bells. Like I kept my cool and, and, you know, went back to the office and, and, and figured it out. And I'm like, holy cow, like this is going to. You went back to your house and figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> because true. Because it could have been a project killer. Yep. This is going to ruin everything. And then I even went back. So when we had our first 
uh, initial meeting, they talked about all the setbacks, but the one that was in question. So like I had confirmed all the other setbacks, but this one, and in my drawings that I had up at, at the neighborhood meeting, it was, we have a five foot, not a 12 foot. So then I had to go through the code and basically he was re referencing the residential code for setbacks. And then I said, oh, okay, the commercial code is five, five. And it, and the, it is an honest mistake too, because we're doing residential units in a commercial setting, but we still go by the commercial setbacks. Yes. So then I pointed out the, I wrote the city planner email, pointed out the residential, pointed out the commercials, and then said, we think that it's five foot. And just to confirm, here are all of our other setbacks. And he goes, he goes, I'm so sorry. You are correct. Yes, I was mistaken. Those are the setbacks. <laughs> so, so, I mean, it just took me, you know, I just freaked out a little bit. Um, but it's, it's better. I was just so relieved that we didn't have to, you know, kill our <laughs> project or just totally redesign everything that, um, people make mistakes. Yeah. So, so if you're interested in seeing, and, and now I'm really confident in all of our setbacks and he knows he shouldn't have a question about the, the setbacks either. It should be like a faster review. Like, Oh yeah, we already talked about, we this. already talked about this. Yeah. So if you are interested in checking out, uh, what Alex presented to the city, uh, I would encourage you to go to inside the firm podcast.com. Check out the video that he's going to put up. I think we'll probably put it up today with today. Yeah, I'll podcast. do it right after this podcast. Awesome. Um, so check it out. Um, and then we have, uh, a 10%, is it a 10%? Is that what you're calling it? Yeah, success fee. A 10% success fee. So what the heck is that? Exactly. Ha, has any of you ever encountered this? Either in architecture or in maybe something else where you have to produce something oh, and man, deliver? Maybe, maybe, maybe you're a landscaper. I don't know. Maybe you're anything. Like anything where you're executing, a, you're doing a job and you have to finish it, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, we just, get, well, we're working on negotiating a huge contract. Huge for us. Yep. And they said, hey, by the way, here's our comments. Um, and one of the comments was there will be withheld a 10% success fee, um, meaning until we get the permit, the actual permit, 10% will be held back. And these are large dollars. So it's a large dollar amount. So Lance, and, and we don't like that. We don't like We that. don't like it because we've done it before on one other project. And every time I see that bill, that is, we've, we're not going to bill it this time. So then it doesn't drive Lance nuts and he sees it and sees that it's overdue. Right. Yeah. We're, we're just going to withhold that, but it drives me insane that we like, we did that, but we have to do it again. Yep. <laughs> so then we're thinking, okay, what do we do? Because we're literally loaning them a substantial amount of money for however long it takes the city. And we're to not get a done. bank. We're not a bank. And then also you can't, you know, it, everyone knows from city to city, it changes how long, how competent they are. Even if it's the same city, you might get a different planner. You just, you just don't know. You, you just don't, don't know. know. There's so many unknowns. Yeah. So, um, we asked the Andre architect, uh, group community and they had a, they had some answers. They had some, some awesome perspectives. Yeah. So I asked, Hey, has anyone had the experience where 10% of final payment on a contract is withheld until the billing permit is issued? If you've seen this, how have you dealt with it? And, uh, here were some of the answers. So <clears throat> some of the answers were, uh, just kind of a, just kind of reactions. One one answer was, and we already thought this too was, well, they're probably safeguarding themselves. Like the client is safeguarding themselves because maybe they've had another architect just completely drag their feet as mm -hmm. after they get comments back, or just walk away from the project, or who knows, right? And especially if you're a big developer who deals with five six architects and is doing ten projects, that's a, that's going to happen. So then they just apply that to everyone because that's what. Yep. So so I you know politely agreed and all that. Um, and then, then, then the second guy, a uh, second person said, it's generally a sign of mis mistrust. So like giant red flag for this guy. 
Um, and then he said, charge 110% of your typical fee. And then that way, if you never get pe- get paid for that 10%, who cares? Yep. So, yeah. But but the contract was already out. This was it was comments back. Exactly. So for us, that didn't work either, right? Yep. Um, and then uh, there was another comment I honestly just did not understand at all. won't even get into it. Uh, let's see here. Um, and then another person said, this is not unusual for the work we do. So apparently, <clears throat> and this was, this was for a, um, what he said was, um, but it's, this is not unusual for the work that we do, but it is usually at the end of the project and it deals with final certification, certification by the state. We do schools and there's a bunch of paperwork at the end that has to be filed with the state architect's office. So we don't do schools yet. And so we didn't, you know, we're like, oh, well, maybe that's interesting. That's yeah. like a, at a higher level, right? Like a federal or state level. And it's also not uncommon for contractors. There's normally retainers. So contractors deal with this all the time. It, and, you're, and you're learning that because you went, you just went through CDS. Exactly. Exactly. So, okay, they, you do it to the contractor. You hold them feet, their feet to, fi- to the fire. This big developer but someone may have dragged their feet and they got burnt. So it's just a policy. So I'm not and, taking and it for, for as, the, as a red the, flag. No, I mean, I mean me either. I, I think, I think the first assessment is right. Is that they're it, the, it, the, all the contracts ideally have to be fair for everybody, right? Like nobody wants to get burnt. Everybody wants to be covered. Yeah. Um, so, and there was another guy who said, yes, is working as a consultant on a multinational contractor. He, he was shocked, but, but it's, but it's happened, but it happens. Um, and then let's see here. Uh, he said, and then another guy. This and I think this was the best. This was the best advice. Uh, was uh, that's exactly what we do, except I have a time caveat with it. It's usually forty-five days from submittal of drawings for permit for submittal of final drawings to client. This way, if they decide not to build and never actually get a permit, I still get paid. I work on about. 30% profit margin so I can leave the 10% carrot out there to keep the client feeling good and they and like they have some leverage. And if I get screwed, it's not that big of a deal. So I yeah. immediately text that to Alex. Yep. Um, so we think that that's a great idea just saying, hey, if you... We think that's the best. That we think yep. that's the best idea. But we did something else too because we didn't want to come back to them and say, okay, pay us 2% more for us loaning you this money because that might put a really bad taste in their mouth saying all the other architects are doing this. Why are you guys being well, in? Well, that was my initial idea, and I think it was a bad idea in hindsight. My initial idea was, fine, if they're going to treat us like a bank, we're going to be like a bank, and we're going to yeah. charge them interest. Yep, yep. So the other thing we did is is in the response, we said, hey, that's absolutely fine, but <clears throat> um, we would like to ask for something. And what we'd like to ask for, instead of a 10% down payment, could we have a 15% down payment? And then the 10% success fee still applies. So we're just getting some more of our cash a little bit earlier, which will ease the sting um, of, of some of it coming later. And, and really, we're, we're getting that money at a crucial time when we're hiring and, and, and all that stuff. So we thought that that was fair because it's not actually charging them any more money. It's just some of it comes a little bit quicker. That's it. I thought that was nice. Yep. I thought it was. Yep. Yeah. And then the caveat at the end is that we, we, try, to, we try to include a clause like that to yes. where to where like it's you, still fair. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so we'll, you know what? We'll give you an update on how that goes because we are still in negotiations. Um, so other than that, uh, stay tuned next week. We'll, we'll have a great podcast. If Thanks. you haven't already, uh, like us on, like us on Facebook, uh, follow us on Twitter, uh, email us with any, any comments or questions. If AKG you, at F9productions.com. And we will see you next week. Have a great weekend.